Praise the Lord. Welcome everybody on this Resurrection Sunday morning. And uh, although we can't gather together one place, we're coming online through the different social platforms into your very homes. And we want to tell you that we love you. We are missing you. But what an incredible weekend it has been with Good Friday and now Resurrection Sunday. Now I want to continue with part two of Risen for You. And I have a scripture that's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 1. And it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. And so they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Father, I thank you today. What a glorious scripture. As we read, not only were you crucified, not only were you buried and laid in a tomb, but we know that the tomb is empty. Thank God for the resurrection. And I thank you that as your word comes to us today, in every home, in every neighborhood, in every locality, Lord, wherever they might be in, this, in, in Durban, South Africa, in the continent of Africa, in the whole wide world, I thank you that your word knows, knows no limit and your word comes in right now into our hearts, into our lives to do whatever is necessary in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I want to just encourage you today as we continue in this lockdown mode. And remember that through Christ we have the victory. And this is a great opportunity for you and I to spend time together with our families, right? And with our spouses and with our children. And maybe it's a good time for you to write a book. Maybe it's a good time for you to, hey, write a couple of songs. I don't know. But use this time and for the glory of God. And I believe that God will fill your day with lots of things to do in Jesus' name. It's an interesting story here in John 20. It's a story about the empty tomb. But also when you investigate further, you see that it really is also the story of three other people and how each of them viewed the resurrection. Jesus had been in the grave for three days and three nights. And after that, they took him off, off the cross. They wrapped his body in linen grave clothes and laid him in Joseph's new tomb. And it was now Sunday, the first day of the week, when Mary Magdalene showed up at the tomb. And when she got there, the stone was rolled away and Jesus' body wasn't there. 
And she ran back and found Peter and John and said, you know what, guys, they've taken his body and we don't know where they have laid him. And the Bible says that both Peter and John began to run to the grave. And John, who was obviously the fitter doing CrossFit, got there first and looked in. And about that time, Peter pressed his way through the entrance and then John followed. It's interesting that though Mary, Peter, and John witnessed the same empty tomb, that their responses were drastically different. Mary saw and believed his body was stolen. John, on the other hand, saw and believed that he had risen. And Peter, well, Scripture seems to indicate that Peter saw and didn't quite know what to believe. But isn't it amazing how people can look at the same thing and see something totally different? One time, there were three different people standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. One of them was an artist, the other was a preacher, and the third one was a cowboy. And here's what they said. The artist lifted up his voice and said, what a beautiful scene to paint. The preacher lifted up his voice and said, what a wonderful example of the handiwork of God. And the cowboy lifted up his voice and said, what a terrible place to lose a cow. I wonder what you see when you look at the empty tomb. Maybe for you it's just another conspiracy theory, like we have a lot of conspiracy theories right now on Instagram to do with COVID-19 and the Chinese and the Russians and the Iranians, a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Maybe it's just another story in the Bible that may or may not be true, or maybe like a lot of people, you don't see anything at all, and the empty tomb means absolutely nothing to you. But I pray that, that by the end of today, that you might see the empty tomb in a different light. And I'd like to share with you today about what I see when I, when I see and when I look at an empty tomb. When I see an empty tomb, I see a God that's alive. Hallelujah. In other words, your God and my God is not dead. He's alive. He is the God of the living and not the God of the dead. And there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem to prove it to you and me. There's been a lot of so-called holy men who have lived and who have purported to be some form of deity, to be some kind of God. But let me tell you, every one of those men have lived and they have all died. Jesus died, they buried him, but on the third day, he rose and came back to life again. Ordinarily, a man dies and stays dead, but not so with Jesus. He died and came back to life, and now he lives forevermore. And because he lives, he is the King of all lords. Because King of all kings. Because he lives, he is the Lord of all lords. Because he lives, he's my Savior, your Savior. He's my rock, your rock. He's my counselor. He's my father. He's my keeper. He's my intercessor. Do you have a need today? Whatever that need is, I'm here to tell you, don't worry. 
Jesus is alive. And our God rules and reigns on high. And Jesus is alive. And the Bible tells us that he's alive to do something. In Hebrews 7 and 25, it says that he always lives to make intercession for them, for you and me. In other words, Jesus is alive and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And today, during this COVID-19, during this lockdown period, he is praying for you and for me. Number two, when I see an empty tomb, I see an enemy that's defeated. Firstly, let me just tell you that the enemy is a real enemy. The Bible says that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and, and spiritual forces in high places. And let me tell you that the intent of the devil has never changed. In John 10.10, 10, it's to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. The Bible says as well that he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. His modus operandi is lies and deception. He is crafty and sly and devious. And let me tell you that the devil is the master illusionist. And every time we believe his lies, we empower him and we give him access into our lives. The devil thought that he won at Calvary. The cross was his ultimate victory. But he didn't know that in three days, Jesus was coming out of the tomb with the keys in his hand. Jesus was dead for three days. And what did he do from Friday to Sunday? I'll tell you what he did. He invaded the devil's territory. He overcame the devil's power. He overcame every weapon of the enemy and he spoiled the devil's house. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and 12, it says they're having disarmed principalities and powers. He, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Let me tell you, if you have any reason to doubt that the enemy was defeated, you need to feed yourself Colossians 2 and 15. I like the way that the Message Bible puts it. I find it rather humorous. It says there, verse 15 in the message, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority. That's the message Bible, message translation. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Imagine that. Imagine marching the devil and all of his fallen angels naked through the streets. What's the point, pastor? The point is that Jesus triumphed over the devil. And when I see an empty tomb, I see a devil, I see an enemy that is defeated in Jesus' name. Number three, when I see an empty tomb, what do I see? I see a gospel that is powerful. This gospel is a powerful gospel. This word is a powerful word. Colossians 2 and 12 says, Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. As you know, the gospel is good news. And what is the good news? The good news is that Jesus came for me and you, wrapped up in the form of a man, 
He was nailed to a tree. He died, was buried. But then three days later, by the power of the Holy Ghost, he was raised from the dead. And his resurrection was through the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was very much dead. He didn't just faint and swoon and then somehow they put smelling salts under his nose and he came back to life. No, he was very much dead, as dead as you can be. And it took all the power of the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus back to life again. You see, family, the gospel's not just about forgiveness. It's not about just mercy. Thank God for that. It's not about just the grace of God and the love of God and God's unconditional love. And all of that is great. Thank God for all of this. But the gospel is also about the power that God's Spirit brings. It's about the power, the power that God's Spirit brings. Look at Romans chapter 6 verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? That's the significance of water baptism, and that's why every one of us ought to be baptized. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also, even so, you also, every one of you, should walk in newness of life. The Amplified verse 4 of Romans 6 says, And we were buried therefore with him by the baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. Hallelujah. See, when I see the empty tomb, I see the resurrection. And when I see the resurrection, I see a gospel that has the power to change a life. I see a gospel that has the power to change marriages, that has the power to change families. I see a gospel that has the power to change cities and nations. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That is the power of the gospel. The same power of the Holy Ghost, able to transform lives. In other words, the gospel can do what religion cannot do. The gospel of Christ can do what organizations cannot do, can do what governments cannot do. That is the power of the gospel. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul writes and says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Hallelujah. The gospel is the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's the Holy Ghost who gives you the same power, power that you never had before. And it's power over sin, power over fear, power over anger, power over lack, power over COVID-19, power over this lockdown and fear and uncertainty about the future. That is the power. And the resurrection life is an overcoming life of power and might. 
Number four, when I see the empty tomb, what do I see? I see a hope that is sure. I see a hope that is sure. 1 Peter 1.21 says, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and my faith and your hope and my hope are in God. Man, I tell you what, this just so blesses me. Because of the empty tomb, you have a hope. We have a hope. I'm here to tell you, Durban Christian Center, family, those of you that are watching from all different parts of the world, whoever you are, you are not without hope. We are living in a time where there is a sense of hopelessness in our world, in our nation. And in other words, you look around and everybody is fearful. It's almost like COVID-19 has sucked every bit of hope out of many people. But I've got good news for you today. As the people of God washed in the blood of Jesus, we have a hope. The cross was the world at its worst. But the cross was also when God was at his best. And through the cross, God secured a hope for you and I. I don't know who I'm speaking to right there in your arms. I'm telling you, you are not without hope because of the cross. When I see an empty tomb, I see a hope that is sure. And that hope is sure for you. It is sure for me. It is sure for our families. It is sure for our business and for our finances, for every part that affects us, we have a sure hope. Hallelujah. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, then the tomb would not be empty, and then we would be without hope. But the fact that he died and then rose means that we have a hope. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 19. It says, For in this life only we have hope in Christ. We are, are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. So the fact that he says, but now Christ is risen means we're canceling hopelessness and in its place, there is the surety and the certainty that we have a hope. Hallelujah. And he goes on and he says that this Jesus that was risen from the dead, verse 20, has become the first fruits has become the first fruits. In other words, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus is our first fruits. And the first fruit is really an indication of what is to follow. In other words, if Jesus rose, then one day when mortality puts on immortality, we will be resurrected in our new bodies. Or even if we die before that time, there is a resurrection that takes place. But hey, even before we even get to that time, why we'll still have ourselves wrapped up in this body of flesh, walking around as mere mortals, let me tell you, surrounded by COVID-19, surrounded by whatever else the devil might want to throw our way, we have hope. You have hope. Come on, as a family. I'm speaking to fathers right now. Gather your family together and look them in the eye and say, children, Family, we have hope because our God is our hope. Jesus, because the tomb is empty, you and I have hope. Hallelujah. His resurrection guarantees our resurrection. 
and we have hope. In Durban, there is hope in Durban because of Jesus. South Africa has hope because the tomb is empty. Jesus rose and there is hope. There is hope for Africa. There is hope for the whole wide world. There is hope for every culture, every ethnicity, every tribe, every person in this whole wide world. Why? Because the tomb is empty. Jesus died, was buried, but then the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 11, powerful passage of Scripture, that if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So that doesn't talk about a future time. It's not talking about when we get our glorified bodies. It's not talking about if we die and then we get resurrected. It's talking about now. Now, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And because you have Him residing on the inside of you, there is a power, there is a life that nobody has. And that life, that power is what gives you and I hope today. Can you say praise the Lord? So I don't know about you, but I, I hope I've changed your perspective about the empty tomb. That when you do see the empty tomb, come on, you see a God that is alive. You see an enemy that is defeated. You see a gospel that still has the power to change lives. And when you see an empty tomb, you, you see a hope and you have a hope that is sure. I would like to pray with you right now in every home, in every family. Lord, I thank you for your word that's come to us today. And I pray, oh God, open our eyes. Let us have a revelation and an understanding of what it means that there is an empty tomb. Ordinarily, a man dies and stays dead, but not with Jesus. His tomb is empty. Our God is alive. We serve the God of the living and not the God of the dead. And because of that, I thank you there is hope. In the midst of fear and apprehension right now, during this lockdown period, I speak the hope of God. I speak the blessing of an empty tomb. The fact that the gospel is not just about love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, but also about the resurrection. And I pray that the reality of his resurrection would become real to every heart in Jesus' name. Now, before we go, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you're sitting in your homes. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead means that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Means the power of sin is broken, was broken, is broken 2,000 years ago. And today, you can receive healing, forgiveness, acceptance, Today, if you're outside of God, you can come into God. If you're not part of the family of God, today, today, even in the midst of what's going on, you can come in and be a part of God's family. So do I have to fill out a form? Do I have to say a thousand hallelujahs? Is there a club fee that I've got to pay? No, absolutely not. It's really just based on the attitude of your heart and the response of your heart. And it just simply means that I respond in a way that, that says yes to Jesus. I'm opening my heart, surrendering my life. 
and declaring Him to be Lord. He is not only my Lord, but my Savior. And He's Lord over every part of me. And so today, right there in that home, I know you're ready. I know you need God. I know that fresh hope has come. I know that something has risen on the inside of you. I can feel it. And the Word has gone out and the Word has begun to work on the inside of your heart. And so right where you're finding yourself, this is just between you and God, actually. It's you and God. And I'd like you to pray this very simple prayer, all right? I'm going to pray and you can follow me. Say after me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I'm without hope, but today, for the first time, I felt hope rise up on the inside of me. And because the tomb is empty, and because you rose, Jesus, there is hope. And you are my hope. My hope is in you today. I have a hope today, a hope that you love me, a hope that you accept me, a hope that you forgive me. Right now, with my heart, I believe, and with my mouth, I confess that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I receive eternal life and the forgiveness of all of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, I get so excited when I pray that prayer. I know that many of you have prayed that prayer. And we would so love to hear from you right now. The details are coming up on your screen. Let us know one way or the other, if it's by email or through WhatsApp. Like I keep saying, there's lockdown, but we as the pastors, the leadership of this church are available to minister to you. Obviously, we can't visit you, but we can communicate with you. We can connect with you. We can stay in touch with you, and we would love to do that. Also, if there are prayer requests that you have, send them through to us. We have people that are praying around the clock in their various homes, and we'll just filter these prayer requests to them. We have to pray. As a church, we have to pray. And we want you to know that we are praying for you, family. We love you. And I look forward to coming into your homes. Thank you for having me in your homes. I'm so looking forward to when we can get together and we can shake each other's hands and give each other a hug. I think I know about you, but I, I feel like now, now I'm beginning to understand why Paul wrote and said, do not forsake the gathering. Of, of, of the assembly because we're, you know, we need each other. I need you and you need me. We were created for fellowship. So we want you to know we are praying for you and uh, you've got the victory. We've got the victory. We're going we're to get through this. This is resilient 2020, right? Just making us stronger. Hey, we've been through the fire. We've been through the wind. Is there anything else that we can't go through? Absolutely not. If God be for us, who can be against us? So until next time, we want you to know we love you. God bless you from all of us here.